MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to in-game odds and every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and receive a $500 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGPN on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. And next, we're brought to you by PicksWise. PicksWise is the number one home of free sports betting picks. Visit PicksWise.com to make your next bet better. And finally, we're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in the Best Ball Mania 2 contest for a chance to win a million dollars. That's right. A million dollars at underdogfantasy.com. And finally, before we get with the episode, I do want to remind you guys to download the SGPN app. We're giving you a chance to win $100,000 in our NFL Week 1 contest, but you can only get that exclusively on the SGPN app, which you can download in the Apple or Google Play Store today. Hadley Ho DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 67. We'll throw this one out to basketball legend Taj Gibson, who played for the Minnesota Timberwolves in the Chicago Bulls, wore 67 with the Timberwolves. I think he's the only guy in NBA history to wear 67, so there's that. Uh, so shout out, Taj Gibson. Uh, I, of course, am Daniel Gumby Vreeland. I am typically the associate host of this here podcast, but as you can hear, in your ears once again. Uh, I am leading the show today instead of uh, Juicy Jeff Fox, who continues to be on vacation. Um, he previously had taped this episode with me. We sometimes do uh, a little bit ahead of time work when we know he's going to be on vacation. We taped this episode last Wednesday, me and Juicy Jeff, and this card absolutely fell apart, had noob fights booked, got just absolutely crazy scrambled. And what we had recorded was unsalvageable. So, luckily, uh, I, who, once again, I am Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and you can find me on Twitter, at Gumby Vreeland, and all my writings at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Uh, luckily, I was bailed out with having a phenomenal co-host. You heard him on Sunday join us, and you will hear him on next Sunday as well to join us for the breakdown of, or uh, review of this card, rather. Um, but luckily, I have him in tow once again to help us out, and that is the host of the Fixed Fights podcast, Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, thanks for bailing us out on this one. Hey, man, like I said last or on Sunday, it's always a pleasure talking MMA, so uh, I'm, I'm always down. If Jeff keeps going on vacation, I'm always down to fill in, man. I wish I could uh, vacation no as much as him, it seems, right? Yeah, he's getting a couple of nice vacations, although I, I do think one of his absences was less of a vacation, but he has had a couple of them. He's had Got more it. vacations than the, the majority of us, and... Uh, yeah, luckily, uh, we do have people here to fill in. Now, before we get to talking about MMA, I am going to, and I didn't preface this at all. As you guys know, we do almost no prep work here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. So I did want to just quickly get your quick take on this because it seems like combat sports, not quite MMA, but it, it feels wrong to not mention that this is happening 
this week. Uh, but Tyron Woodley is about to box one of the Paul brothers. Uh, it seems like I mess up every single time I'm trying to say which one. Jake Jake Paul? Jake Paul sounds Oh, it is, Jake, yes. Jake Paul sounds right today. Um, he's about to box Jake Paul. I'm going to ask you this. On a scale from 1 to 10, how confident are you in MMA's boy here, Tyron Woodley? If I have to give you a 1 to 10, I would say a 7. Um, and, and I think it's both Tyron Woodley and what he brings to the table. And also, the big thing for me, and Ben and I actually, I don't want to tear our podcast too much, but we had a boxing expert, Jamie Harridges, on the show uh, this past week. And what we had discussed, especially on the Jake Paul side of things, is, especially in my point of view, I don't know how Jake Paul is going to react when he actually gets hit with a punch. We have not seen it yet. Um, he fought, you know, some dork from YouTube, and then he fought Nate Robinson, a basketball player, and then he fought Ben Askren. And honestly, dude, I would have told you 10 out of 10, I was confident in Ben Askren going into that fight, and, and we saw what happened with Ben. Uh, didn't come in shape, doesn't have hands to begin with. Tyron has hands. He's, he's shown knockout power uh, his whole career, and I really do like what he showed in his last fight against Vicente Luque, although he lost that fight. He was willing to go out there and kind of die on his sword. Um, I just got to tie Tyron Woodley here, man. I just think he hits really hard. Uh, he's got good hands, and I don't think Jake Paul is going to react good when he gets hit with a legit punch and gets stunned and has to battle back. And it's also kind of worth noting, too, I feel like in breaking down this fight, like you usually think about the path to victory here, and like Jake Paul, like, like you said, he's fought a dork on YouTube, and he knocked out Ben Askren with one punch. It's not like Tyron Woodley is easily knockoutable. You know what I mean? Like, he he, no. he is a guy who's got a freaking chin. Whether or not we, like, really bought... I mean, if, if you were saying that Tyron Woodley was washed at the end of his career, like, I don't know necessarily that I buy it. His performances weren't great, but, like, losses to Kamara Usman, Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington, and Vicente Luque are hardly enough to say that this guy can't fight anymore. Um, and in addition to that, he's lost by TKO or KO twice in his whole career. Once was the Colby Covington rib injury, and yes. once was the fourth round against Nate Marquardt in that, that Strike Force title fight all the way back in 2012. So this dude basically hasn't been knocked out for almost 10 years, almost a decade since he's been legitimately knocked out. So I almost feel like you can take that off the table as a, a possibility for Jake Paul, and then we're just talking about, like, can he keep a good pace and actually just outbox Tyron Woodley? And while you're at it, like you said, he's got power. Stay away from the big punch. Um, it's worth noting that the odds on these fights uh, currently, the last odds I saw was Paul at negative 200 and Tyron Woodley at plus 160. That's so crazy to me. It's, crazy it's, to me. it's nuts, but like, I, I mean, it's almost, I'm not going to compare him to Conor McGregor because that feels wrong, but it's almost like, the way odds come in on Conor McGregor fights, right? Like, his odds are always way crazy in the wrong direction all the time, right? Like, he got beat by Dustin Poirier, and he was a favorite in the rematch. Like, how crazy, and it was only six months later. Um, So, like, that that hype and the way that they hype themselves tends to play into it, but... Um, yeah, I, I think plus 160 on Tyron Woodley is, is crazy, because like you said, I might just take him straight up. I'd love to see what a KO prop looks like, uh, although I haven't seen that yet. I'm sure they're out there, so um, feel free to take a look at those. We will not be logging official picks on this, but I think you can tell 
where the couple of MMA heads are on this one, and in general, just what people in the world are hoping happened in this fight. Cause, uh, yeah, it, you know, I will say this too, like, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a, a, you know, Jake Paul fan by any means, but I'm not one of these haters where, like, I, you know, I kind of respect what he's doing, and, and, to me, he feels like, you know, say what you will about him, he's he's an asshole, you know, maybe, you know, like his character all that much, but he, the guy definitely puts himself in the right situations to succeed, right? It seems like he trains very hard, he trains with the right people, obviously he's got the money to bring in whoever he needs to, to get the proper training, so I will say that for him, um, and if he does win this fight, say what you will about Tyron Woodley, but if he does win this fight... And he, and he does knock Tyron Woodley out or something crazy like that, I think it is time to maybe reevaluate a little bit and, and start, you know, taking this guy a little bit more seriously. I mean, he can go any which way after this fight with opponents, but it seems like he, he is doing the right things to succeed in a sport that uh, we never we thought we would see him in. Yeah, and I think you're right about putting himself in the position to succeed. It's not like he went in there, got a win over a YouTuber, or a win over, you know, the worst boxer that MMA has ever seen, not ever seen. That That's being harsh on, on Ben Askren. But a guy who is essentially a grappler in a boxing match, and then he was, like, up against one of the great boxers of all time, or, like, he put himself in there with a 20-0 pro. I mean, like, he's building himself up slowly. He's building himself up with people who he knows have name value to them, right? Like, people know who Tyron Woodley is. Like, that's a... He went from beating a UFC guy to beating a UFC champion if he beats Tyron Woodley. So, yeah, the trajectory, really smart for him, I think. Um, and, like, he's not he's not putting himself in too big of a pond right away, which I think is, is pretty smart, uh, especially from a, a boxing perspective, because that tends to be how boxers build themselves up is, is hey, little bit by well, little bit. That's the thing, too. It's like, if, if you look at boxing... You know, especially the top guys. I mean, they're coming into their first big fight with like twenty-four and O records, twenty-two and O records. And if you look at their early career, it's not like they're fighting studs off the rip, which you which you see pretty often in MMA, right? I mean, Cyril Gaon's about to fight for the world heavyweight title with nine pro fights. I mean, how often do you see that aside from like Vasily Lomachenko in boxing? Yeah, you, you never see it. And, and I'll go one further than that too: is that like, yeah, we're talking about Cyril Gaon fighting guys like that you know, right off the jump being that, like, this is his only 11th pro fight he's going to be fighting him. But if you even go back to his regional circuit, dude, his regional circuit's crazy, too. He fought uh, Adam, I'm going to say his last name wrong, Zika, um, who is a TKO champion, um, which is a promotion, who's right now is 7-1 in his career. His only loss is to Surreal Gun. And that was Surreal's second fight he fought this dude. That, that dude, exactly. The dude was 7-0, and and he lost to Surreal. And, like... He hasn't fought MMA since then, which sucks for him. But, like, he was a 7-0 and champ of a very good Canadian promotion, went out there, took a fight with a dude who was 1-0, and uh, and that's MMA. Whereas boxing, you know, like that 7-0 and guy is fighting somebody who's, uh, you know, got one of those Jay Ellis. 3-18 and, and record. Yeah, yes. or, or one of those Jay Ellis MMA records, the 12-88 and 88, um, or something <laughs> like that. So, like... Yeah, like, it is it is what it is, but, uh, yeah, like, I, I think you're 100% right. If he beats Woodley, we should take him seriously, and regardless, he's doing the right things. Um, so you got to yeah. give him credit for that. 
Now, speaking of the right things, I would be remiss if I did not mention that this episode of the MMA Gambling Podcast is brought to you by WinBet. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. They are bringing you the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play with exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on all of your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and so many more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, they have what it takes for you to win. Ready to play? Sign up today and receive a special offer, a risk-free $500 sports bet. Download BetWin with the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning. All right, so I use that phenomenal transition to get us to... The actual dance, where we are, which is UFC Vegas 35, I believe we're calling this one. Uh, I do hate the numbering system, but I believe that's what we're going by now, which is Barboza versus Chikadze, and not only uh, Edson Barboza versus Giga Chikadze, but also the Ultimate Fighter 29 finale, jammed all into one action-packed card. Um, it is an exciting one, and we will start, as we like to do, at the very bottom of the card. So we are going to start with Mono Martinez versus Guido Canetti. So uh, Mon- we'll start with Mono Martinez, who is making a short-notice debut. He's 8-2 and two in his career with eight knockouts. He's got two straight wins. He was 0-1 on the Dana White Contender Series. He's going to have four inches of height advantage, two inches of reach advantage, and he is, get this, 17 years younger than Quino Canetti, which is an insane stat. And as you guys know, we've been tracking uh, age stats, and people who are significantly younger like that tend to have much better records. He also has the striking advantage in the striking stats that we typically track, and he is, as a result, a negative 320 favorite. Guido Canetti goes by the nickname El Ninja. He is 8-5 in his career. He's got three knockouts, three submissions, four of his five losses are by submission, which is worth noting. He's 2-4 and four in the UFC, 1-3 um, in his last four. He was KO'd last in March of 2020. He was 0-2 on the Ultimate Fighter. He is the more active striker in the strike, striking stats we have. Of course, those are a small sample size for Mano Martinez, and he is the better grappling stats off the jump, too. He comes in at plus 290. Kurt, what do you think of these two? Uh Man, I think you laid it out pretty much in your lead-up. I mean, the significant age um, advantage, he's got less miles on him. I'm riding with Mana Martinez here. I just think, yeah, the age, the skills, um, I like him at the, uh, I mean, what, it's like minus 275, 265 in a different, a lot of places. Uh, I like those odds. I'm going with Mana Martinez. Yeah, I, I like him. I, I even think the odds are, are probably should be further and further apart. And they, they might move further and further apart as we get to fight week because this dude throws hammers. Like, if you've seen any, yes. if you've seen any of his regional fights, like, the, some of his knockouts are insane in, Guido's coming off of being knocked out, um, which is never a good sign when you take two years off and the first thing that happens to you is your brain gets turned into jelly in three minutes. Um, so, like, not a, a great thing. And, and while we're talking about Mono Martinez being on short notice, he has gone through, like, seven different training camps for fights recently that got pulled or moved or whatever. So the dude is ready. I, I think he's probably been training for this for a while. So... 
I think he's ready. I think he probably just blasts Guido Canetti on the feet here and does so really early. So I think so too. Yeah, yeah and, and we'll get to props that we might like a little bit later in the show, but one I'm earmarking already is if we you can find a Mono Martinez by knockout prop or even Mono Martinez in the first round. I, I think those props probably play out really well because he comes out like an absolute wrecking ball, doesn't seem to fade, and Guido Canetti... Like I said, looks a little shaky on the feet. He's getting older, getting slower. It ain't going to go well for Guido in this one. Um, and that brings us to our second fight uh, that we are set off to break down, and that is Pat Zavatini versus Jamal Emmers. Uh, Jamal, pretty boy. Emmers, 18-5 and five with seven knockouts and three submissions. He is 1-1 one one in the UFC. He won his last fight, which was back in August of 2020. So a decent layoff here. He's almost been away for a year. But as we talked about before, people who have been out for at least a year uh, have about a 60% win percentage over the last three years, which is pretty crazy and kind of an interesting stat. But as I like to say, getting your head bounced around like a basketball regularly, probably not good for your health, and sometimes taking a break is. Um, So Jamal Emmers, uh, last fought in 2020, he is 0-1 on the Dana White Contender Series, made it to the UFC anyway via being the LFA champ. He's going to have two inches of height advantage, four inches of reach advantage, He is three times more of an active striker than Sabatini. Once again, those are very limited stats for Sabatini, who has only had one UFC fight. And Emmers, who's only had two. So we got some pretty limited stats there. He has the grappling advantage as well. Sabatini, on the other hand, 14-3. He's got two knockouts and nine submissions. 1-0 in the UFC in three straight wins. He'll be one year younger and have the striking stats slightly in his favor. Plus 125. And before we go to breaking down this fight, I also do need to mention that I'm supposed to, in addition to throwing my picks and Kurt's picks in here, despite the fact that Juicy Jeff could not join us today, I do have his picks for every single fight, so I will be penciling them in afterwards. He also took Mana Martinez, so you can put all three of us behind Mana Martinez in this one. All right, back to Pretty Boy Emmers versus Pat Sabatini. Uh, Sabatini betting off at 125. Emmers, negative 155. Who do you like here? This is a really, really good fight. I honestly think this is probably one of the better fights on this card. Totally agree. It's really flying under the radar. It's a great fight. Yeah, I I totally agree. uh, Ben Ben actually put me on to Jamal Emmers prior to his UFC UFC debut. By the way, who was against the main event on this card, Giga Chiakadze. Um, I like Emmers here. The odds are relatively close, which I think is completely fair. Um, But I like Emmers. I, I, I like his style. Um, I thought he picked up a nice win in his last fight, so my money is on Emmers in this one. I like that. I like the the thought process there, especially because he did look so good. Last, he actually looked really good against Giga Chikadze. I, I feel he like did, yes, I, I agree. It, it was a split decision loss, and some people were pissed in Emmers' favor. I thought Giga won, but like, man, there, I mean, the, that judge did make a case for him, and it wasn't like it wasn't even a bad one. It wasn't even where I was like, "You fucking kidding me? This is a split decision." It was like, "Oh, this is." This is a legitimate split decision. I also like Emmers, but I'm going to take Sabatini in this one, uh, mostly just because I I think the question comes down to me for whether or not one of them has a wrestling advantage, because I think both of them are going to try to wrestle. Um, While Emmers has got the reach advantage and the height advantage here, and ultimately I think he's going to outstrike Sabatini, I do think the wrestling advantage goes to Sabatini. I, I think... He just gets a few more takedowns. He gets in on the legs better. His pressure is really good. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm going to lean Sabatini on this one, especially because I like the dog money. It is worth noting before we move on to the next fight that Jeff also took Pretty Boy Emmers, so I am out on an island here on Sabatini. And like I said, mostly I'm just trusting his wrestling enough because call me a sucker. I'm a sucker for like two or three different training camps, uh, and I, I somewhat to a fault pick those fighters off of those training camps. One is Fortis MMA, and another one lately is Daniel Gracie Jiu-Jitsu out of Philly because – Pat Zabatini, Sean Brady, we're going to talk about Andre Petrovsky later on in the show, Jeremiah Wells. These dudes are all very fun wrestler grapplers coming up through the uh, the ranks. And I'm going to put my trust in the good Daniel Gracie at uh, Henzo Gracie Philly uh, that he will bring, he will bring uh, some grappling chops for Sabatini here. Um, and that brings us to our next fight, which is a women's flyweight fight, which is important to note in this fight because it is Women's flyweight with a, a somebody who has fought almost exclusively at strawweight, and that is Vanessa Demopoulos, who is nicknamed the Little Monster, and she is fighting J.J. Aldrich. So we'll start with Aldrich. She is 9-4 with two knockouts. She's 5-3 and three in the UFC. She has alternated wins and losses in each of her last five fights. Win-loss, win-loss, win. Uh, she is... Um, she lost her last fight. Um, she is a former uh, Invicta fighter. She was 3-1 and one in Invicta. She's going to have 3 inches of height advantage. According to this, she has 6 inches of reach advantage, although that seems kind of off, but I'm, uh, I'm not going to doubt the measurements on Demopolis here. She is also 4 years younger, and she is 2 times more of an active striker than Demopolis. According to the limited stats we have, of course, we only have Demopolis's from Dana White's Contender Series. Aldrich is also the more active grappler and will be betting off here at negative 335. Demopoulos, meanwhile, 6-3. She's got one knockout, three submissions. She has never been finished, but she will be taking this fight on short notice. She's 1-2 in her last three, although she did win her last fight. 0-1 on Dana White's Contender Series, and she is the former strawweight champion of LFA. She's betting off at plus 300. What do you think here? You got giving the newcomer, the much smaller Demopolis, any chance here? I want to say yeah, but I just think the cards are a bit stacked against her. Um, like you said, JJ Aldridge too. I mean, she's got a ninety-four record, but if you look at some of the names she's fought, she's fought you know Daniel Taylor, solid. Probably she's got a win over Pollyanna Viana, solid. Fought Macy Barber, uh, Courtney Casey in her last fight. She took a split decision win. I just think she has more experience. She's been. Training for this fight, she's got the size advantage. I, I just think too many things are in Aldridge's favor. I think she's going to be able to just grind out. Uh, it's a tough, hard-fought win because I think uh, Demopolis will make it tough for her. But, yeah, I'm riding Aldridge here. Yeah, and I, I and Jeff both agree with you here. All three of us are taking J.J. Aldridge. I, I think the thing for me, too, is that, like, if you look at Demopolis on the regional scene, she, like, pushes forward very, very, like, I don't want to say completely wildly, but but quite wildly. She throws big haymakers, and she just moves forward. And she that pressure bothers a lot of women that she fights. The problem is, is I don't think it's going to bother Aldrich, and inevitably it's going to lead her to a clinch with a bigger woman. Um, and, and that's just going to spell trouble for her, in my opinion. Aldrich, not for anything, took down Courtney Casey a bunch of times in their last fight. Uh, and to me... That, that, that's an alarm there when you're going to be uh, much smaller than the actual flyweight here. 
which is J.J. Aldridge, who we are riding with. And before we get to our next fight, I'll tell you else who we are riding with, and that is PropSwap. We are brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Football season is about to kick off, and PropSwap is here to make your season the best season ever. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't even need to win in order to make money. It simply needs to improve. For instance, Trey Lance opened as a 300-1 to to win the MVP this year and has already been bet all the way down to 75-1. to That means if you bet $100 on Trey Lance back in May, you could sell that ticket on PropSwap today for $400. That's a $300 return before he's ever taken a snap in a regular season game. Think of PropSwap like the stock market, but for sports betting, buy low, sell high, and the average ticket seller on PropSwap makes over $500 a month just listing and selling tickets. And also, don't forget, when you're making your bets, you can go for two, make two tickets on the same team or player so that you can sell one of them for a profit and keep one to leave yourself some skin in the game. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com and download the PropSwap app. PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. All right, next fight we're moving on to is in the light heavyweight division, but it is once again somebody moving up the division with Darren the Dentist Stewart and Dustin the Hanyak Jacoby. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Darren Stewart first. He is a former 185er. As a matter of fact, he spent the majority of his career there, except for a couple of fights with Eric Anders and the odd fight here or there. He is 12-7-1 in his career. He's got seven knockouts, one submission. He's 5-6 in the UFC, uh, 0-2 most recently in the UFC. Of course, there is that one no contest uh, put in there. He has a loss his last time out, once again to the aforementioned Eric Anders. He is surprisingly two years younger than Dustin Jacoby, uh, and he has the grappling stats in his favor here. Dustin Jacoby, who is now in his second kick in the can at the UFC, um, is 14-5-1 overall with nine knockouts, one submission. He is 2-2-1 over two UFC stints. Of course, he's 2-0-1 this stint in the UFC. That one draw was his last time out against Ion Kudalaba. Uh, after getting smothered and crushed in the first round, he came back to win the second and third round. He was 1-0 on the Dana White's Contender Series, 0-2 in Bellator, 0-1 in the World Series of Fighting. He has a laundry list of kickboxing and pro-boxing fights. He is going to have a 3 inches of height advantage, 2 inches of reach advantage. He, of course, is actually a light heavyweight, and he's got striking and active striking stats in his favor. Who you got here, Kurt? Hey, does that mean that the World Series of Fighting and Bellator are tougher than the UFC? <laughs> Oh, are, are you telling oh, me for, for for once that like we can maybe say that they have good fighters in it and it not sounds like absolute poppycock? I think maybe we could say exactly. that. Also, Dana White's contender series possibly quite hard. <laughs> very very tough as well. I like Jacoby in this fight, man. I I always really like him. He's on this nice little run here. He's got four straight wins. He did have the draw to Kutilaba, which he talked about, where he took an absolute beating, kept his composure, and, and fought back to win the last three rounds. I mean, the guy has an iron chin. He stays very patient in there. He He's a busy striker. And like you said, he is the true light heavyweight. Um, I like Jacoby here, and I actually like him to get a stoppage in this fight. I think Darren Stewart is very hard to, to be finished. I think he's only been finished, what, maybe twice in his career? And I think both were by submission. Am I semi-correct that, with that? That sounds correct to me. Let me get that is actually, Yeah, that is yeah he's never been TKO'd in his whole life. I'm going to go with him uh, getting TKO'd for the first time. I like Jacoby 
by stoppage maybe in like the second or third round. Oh, I like that. And I will say this too, like the, the, the piece for me that gives me a lot of faith in Jacoby and I am taking Dustin Jacoby here as well as is Jeff, uh, who named him as his lock of the week as well. Um, yeah, like I, I like Dustin Jacoby a lot in this fight because first of all, Darren Stewart, to me, came to the UFC as a guy who's a striker, right? Like, he, there's a reason his nickname is The Dentist, right? Like, he knocks people's teeth out. He's, you know, most of his wins are by knockout. And he just isn't a better striker than Dustin Jacoby. And now he's started to rely on his wrestling a little bit more. And Dustin Jacoby just stuffed over half of Ian Kudalaba's takedowns. Um, Darren Stewart is not a better wrestler than Ian Kudalaba. Uh, he's not more, more intense, he's not stronger, he's not better technically, and he's not actually a 205-er. So I think he's going to have so much trouble getting in on Jacoby. I think Jacoby's going to pick him apart. I like that thought about possibly a TKO. I'm going to, as, as we move on in the episode here, I'm going to slowly dig up the prop odds here for what uh, Dustin Jacoby by TKO is because I wonder if the fact that Stewart's never been knocked out probably gives it a nice little boost. So we'll take a look at that a little bit later on in the show. But next we're going to move on to speaking of dudes who were formerly fighting in other weight classes. That might be the theme of this show. Um, Sam Alvey. Back at 185 pounds last fight, uh, although he did lose that fight to Julian Marquez, fighting Wellington Terman, who used to be an 170-pounder. They're meeting in the middle at 185 pounds, which is probably at least the right weight class for Sam Alvey. Um, so this is smiling Sam Alvey versus the prodigy Wellington Terman, which I think he can still use the prodigy at 25 years old, whereas it's starting to sound weird on guys like BJ Penn. Um, so Sam, hey, don't be, there'll be no dissing <laughs> BJ Penn on this show. I, I, I look, I'm not dissing BJ Penn, but there is a brand of nicknames and this, this, you could probably think of other ones too. There is a brand of nicknames that at a certain point, just like feel wrong, right? Like BJ Penn's 40 and on a seven fight losing streak, including one to a guy in a bar. And he, uh, he, he, I, I know it's a bad, sad decline for BJ Penn. Uh, I wish him the best. BJ BJ's my favorite, man. This, yeah. You're, you're going to make me cry on the show because we're not on video. It, is, it, it has been a worse decline than most. Um, yeah, although, it, it, it really has. I cannot, I cannot argue with you there. But that's, but that's one of the things about MMA too, is that like, if you're if you love the sport a lot, you're in it too long, right? Like the only people who That's have made true. the only people who have made gracious exits from the MMA world are people who didn't enjoy doing MMA. Right? Like like GSP hated MMA, but he he may have trained it all the time. He may have been one of the best of all time. You know, like some people would argue the best of all time. People ask him all the time, like, do you have the desire to come back? He's like, I didn't have the desire to start in the first place. Oh, it's crazy, right? <laughs> like, and he was so damn good. Yeah, so, like, you either have that very weird mentality that somehow you wound up in this fort making money, which not a lot of people do if you haven't read the news lately. Uh, <laughs> you, you somehow wound up in this fort making a lot of money and, like, did are afraid to exit it, or you stay too long and, and you're, you're kind of fall off in a sad way. Um, and sadly... BJ Penn is that, but but back to my original point. At, at his age, the prodigy feels wrong. Same with Vitor Belfort still being the the phenom. Vitor phenom. Yeah, it's not really a phenom anymore, Vitor. You're you know you're quite old and you're you're boxing Oscar <laughs> De La Hoya. Um, so 
Yeah, I've, I've always loved those nicknames that don't age well. And maybe, hey, maybe Wellington Terman will come up with a better nickname after he is no longer a prodigy. We can even well, say he is a prodigy. <laughs> listen, man, Wellington Terman, and honestly, both of these guys really need a win here. I mean, Wellington Terman, the prodigy, is on a losing streak. And, he, and he's been knocked out twice. Exactly. And Sam Alvey himself it, it has lost five of six. Five fights and that weird draw, draw with Daun Jung. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, by the so way of the people he's fought in that six fight streak, possibly the best guy on it, Daun Jung. Like <laughs> Yeah. And somehow this is, this is this is a really this is a tough one to call. Uh, I gotta be honest. Uh both guys really need to win. Sam Alvey is is he's just so he's tough to finish. He's one of those guys that's like tough to look good against. He's scrappy. He's he's shifty. Um, but I gotta side with the favorite here. I gotta side with Wellington Terman. I like the youth. I I just think he really needs a win here because his job probably is on the line, which is crazy. It might might even possibly be more on the line than Sam Sam Alvey, who's lost. Uh, five of six, but I'm going to go with Wellington Terman here. I don't think he's going to get Sam Elvey out of there, but I think he's going to do just enough to grind out uh, a win over a tough veteran. Yeah, and, and before we – so you didn't jump the gun. I completely forgot to give all of the stats in the very beginning because we got so into disparaging BJ Penn's name uh, <laughs> that I didn't actually rattle him off. So let me rattle him off real quick. 16-5 um, and five for Wellington Terman, four knockouts, seven submissions. He's 1-3 in the UFC. As you mentioned, he had been knocked out twice in a row. And as I had previously mentioned, he was an 170-pounder, 10 years younger with the grappling stats in his favor. Smiling Sam Alvey, what a ridiculous record, 33-50. One in one no contest. 19, 19 knockouts, three submissions. He's 10 10 and 1 in the UFC. He's got 0 and 5 with a one no contest in his last six. He got submitted by Julian Marquez last time out. That also doesn't include a one in one record on the Ultimate Fighter. He fought at 205 pounds. He's missed weight at 185 pounds a couple of times. He was one in one in Bellator, which is a little known fact. Uh, he fought his debut all the way back in 2008, which was the year after I graduated high school. He's got two inches of height, three inches of reach, and he has the active striking stats in his favor. Um, he is a plus 115 dog, but both me and Jeff are actually going to go with him on this one. Uh, while I hear your things about Wellington Terman and being backed into a corner, but here's the thing I feel about Wellington Terman. First of all, being knocked out twice in a row and then fighting a guy who punches like Sam Alvey, that scares me a little bit. Um, and then the other thing I will say that's going to get me to pick the dog money here and, and Sam Alvey is I think Wellington Terman can be drawn into – a, like a crazy brawl, right? Like I, I don't, I, agree with that. I don't think he's the type of like the guys who are beating Sam Alvey are people who, despite being trying to be goaded into an insane brawl, just won't be. You know, like Jimmy Crute's like, yeah, that's cute. You're gonna try to draw me into a brawl. I'm gonna drag you to the ground and beat the hell out of you. And like Ryan Spann's like, nope, not gonna brawl with you. Uh, I'm just gonna point fight you from distance. Clits and Abreu's like, we can throw three strikes per whole round as long as two of them are thrown by me and one of them is thrown by you. By the way, that fight was atrocious. Um, <laughs> it was so bad. Um, so bad. But like, I think Wellington Terman gets suckered into that fight here, and if he does, I, I think there's a good chance Sam Alvey lands the uh, the big blow. So I'm gonna go with Sam Alvey as is Jeff on this one. Plus 115 is a juicy underdog number for me, and that'll bring my underdogs on this card up to two between him and Sabatini. Now, 
Before we get on to the last fight of our prelims, let me tell you about PicksWise. PicksWise is the number one home for free sports betting picks, props, and parlays, helmed by a team of trend-watching, data-devouring sports fanatics, giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction for every game, every day, every sport, all for free. Visit PicksWise.com to make your next bet better. PicksWise also backs responsible gambling. If you or somebody you know wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And while we're at it, let me also tell you about Prize Picks. Please visit PrizePicks.com and download the Prize Pick app, where you can turn your picks into real cash with Prize Picks, my favorite daily fantasy app. It is fast, it is easy, and it all starts with Prize Picks. Simply pick two of five player or two to five players and decide if they will go over or under the stat projection. And the more players you pick, the more you can win up to ten times your money. Prize pick is the only way I play. Now, as an example here, uh, we've got the MLB with a big slate tonight. If I pick Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to go over 1.5 hits and walks, Miles Straw to go over 1.5 hits and walks, and Juan Soto to put up a big dud and come under the 1.5, a $20 entry on all of those would pay out 45 bucks. That's right. You're going to get two and a quarter times your money on a return there. And you can use promo code SGP to receive a $100 instant deposit match up to $100. That's prize pick promo code SGP. All right. The main event of the prelims is Alessio DeChirico versus Razak Al-Hassan. Monzo DeChirico, which means young bull in Italian, I'm being told, is 13-5 and five with five knockouts and one submission. He is 4-5 and five in the UFC. He had lost three in a row before he knocked out Joaquin Buckley in his last fight. He is taking this fight on short notice. He has one inch of reach advantage and will be four years younger with the grappling stats in his favor. Uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, whose nickname is Judo Thunder, he comes in at 10-4 and four with all 10 of those wins coming via knockout. He's 4-4 four and four in the UFC, but he has lost three straight right now. He used to fight at 170, coming up to 85 here. He was 2-0 in Bellator as well, and he's got two inches of height advantage, as well as being the better striking stats and the better active striking stats. He's going to bet off here at plus 195 here. What say you, Kurt? I 100% think this fight is pri- This fight is definitely going to end in a finish, right? I mean, both of these guys need a win here. Um Abdur Zakasan is uh is ten for ten in this career, right? Ten ten wins, ten knockouts. Mm, yeah. Um, I'm a little. I gotta be honest. I'm a little bit surprised that he is such a big underdog. I would I would guess that these guys are are pretty similar in skill level. I mean, uh, DiCirico is coming off a win over Joaquin Buckley, but before that, he had lost three straight. I'm gonna go with the underdog here. I'm gonna ride with. Uh, Al Hassan, I I don't know if he gets. You know what? I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay true. I'm gonna say Abdul Razak Hassan continues his knockout streak. Um, I mean, Dishariko's only been finished by submission once in his career, never been knocked out. But uh, I'm riding heavy with the underdog here. I'm going Al Hassan by stoppage by knockout. And you are riding with Jeff, who also likes Abdul Razak Al Hassan in this fight. And I. I think I'm going to take the favorite here in Alessio DiCirico. I will say this. I hate this fight in where the odds sit because I, I feel like the odds on DiCirico are inflated by that Buckley yeah, knockout. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, like, 
And, and it seems so crazy to be like a win over Joaquin Buckley means that much. Because, like, Joaquin Buckley, what, what is he, one and two in his last three? But that one is that crazy it's knockout crazy of him. Because Sanganes. So, so that's what we think of when we think of Joaquin Buckley. And we're like, oh, this guy knocked out that guy. And all of a sudden he's betting off at negative 200 against a guy who's pretty good at striking. But I'll say this. DeCherico also, like, low-key a decent grappler. Um, I think sometimes people sleep on his grappling. I think he could probably, he's going to have a, a slight size advantage here on Alassane, being a little bit longer. I also think he's a little bit maybe stronger in the clinch than Alassane is, even though Alassane has kind of like a judo background. Um, so I think Jericho just by making it, uh, you know, like a little bit messy here, staying away from that big shot, I think he pulls this one off. But I think you're right uh, in betting probably the under here on uh, how deep this fight goes because, Man, do I not see this? Um, man, I don't see either of these guys surviving three rounds because both of them, not only have both of them been picking up knockouts, both of them or been dishing out knockouts. Both of them get knocked out too, right? Like, yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, who is it that knocked out Abdul Razak Alassane? Oh, Chaos Williams. Who? Chaos Williams. Yeah. Great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chaos yeah. Williams. That dude hits like a truck. But like, you know, who knows? Alessio Jericho could dish one of those out. Um, and maybe I'm wrong on Jericho. Has he never been knocked out? He has never also been never out. been knocked out. That is a hell of a prop there, too. So um, I'll dig those up when we're getting to the props portion of the show. But first, let's move on to middleweight contest between Gerald Mearshart and Mahmoud Muradov. Um, I do have a note here in there that when me and Jeff taped, he wanted to make sure that if we did retape, uh, asking you, did you know what Mahmoud Muradov did before he was a UFC fighter? Um saw it uh, <laughs> last night. Um, I, uh, if, if you want to go ahead and, and reveal that to the audience, be yeah. my guest. But I, yes, I did see it. But prior to last night, I did not know. But I, I saw it on Twitter last night, and I am informed as of now. Yeah, he was a uh, he, he was in some autoerotic porn. So you can feel yes. free to if you if you if anybody out there in in SGPN Bill is. Uh, is interested, you can go ahead and Google the name Ahmed Vert, which was his, uh, did we call it a stage name? Let's call it a stage name. Um, but I would suggest not Googling the name Ahmed Vert. But, uh, yeah. So, he's a, he's a very good-looking gentleman, though, <laughs> I, I will say. Yeah, but the, the, the people seem to be into it. So, anyway, <laughs> let's talk about him fighting Gerald Mearshart instead. So, Muradov, let's get to uh, Ahmed Vert first. He is 25-6 and six in his career with 17 knockouts, 3 submissions. 3-0 in the UFC. He's got knockouts in his last two fights. Um, you know, he's got a Sambo background. He's got a kickboxing background. He's got one inch of height advantage. He's three years younger. He's got the striking and active striking stats in his favor and currently betting off at negative 550. Gerald Mirashart, GM3, the machine, is 32-14 and 14 in his career with six knockouts and 24 submissions. He's also been submitted quite a few times. Seven and six in the UFC. He's one and two in his last three, coming off of a submission win in his own right. He made his pro debut in 2007. I was still in high school then. Uh, he has two inches of reach advantage and obviously the grappling stats in his favor. He bets off and negative plus 380, and that number is trending up. You can get him at like plus 450 in some books, but the official number we have logged here is 380. Are you giving the dog any chance, or is at least the, the you know, obviously here in, in with the DGENs, we'd say you're supposed to bet $100 on every fighter, else you're not a real DGEN. Is your $100 at least somewhat smartly played with GM3? 
Yeah, it, dude, you want to talk about a uh, lock of a card. Um, and and I guess, I guess I'm kind of tipping my hat real quick, but how about the uh, strength of schedule for two-year-old Mearshart quick before I uh, it's insane. slay him in a second. But, yeah, dude he's fought, he has fought a tough, tough strength of schedule, but, dude, Bachman Murdoff is a freaking stud. The guy is a buzzsaw. I am so high on him. He's won 14 straight fights, three in the UFC. Um, I mean, dude, he had that insane flying knee in his last fight over Andrew Sanchez. Uh, before I mentioned Alessio DiCirico. I am all over Mahmoud Muradov in this fight. I, I do think he gets Gerald Mearshart out of there in the first round. I just think he's too dynamic. If I had to put a lock on this one, um, on this whole card, it is with Muradov. I know the odds are crazy. I know I would win, like, what, the maybe $15 on, on 500 but uh, I'll take the 50 and give me Maku Muradov all day. Okay, so, and I'm I'm going to differ with you on this one, but only wow. only with the $100 caveat here. I, I'm okay, saying, yeah, I, I, I get that. That might be smarter smarter money, maybe. Yeah, I'm saying basically here, I, I believe... No, Mur- you, know, you know what, Dan? You could just burn that you know Instead of burning the 100 just give it to me. <laughs> no, you got my Venmo. Just give me your $100. I, I will say this. I think there are paths to victory for Mearshart here. Paths to victory to me that equate to plus 400 you know, right around that line. And I will say this, I don't think Muradov has fought anybody in the UFC, at least. And granted, I haven't, you know, combed through his extensive record fighting in the Czech Republic and Poland and Slovakia, but because <laughs> it's really long, like he's fought. <laughs> it is. I was looking through his record and it's like, he fought in Prague. He fought, I mean, he fought a lot in Prague, but he also fought in Noah Sol, Poland, and he fought in Austria, and he fought in Slovakia, and I was like, man, like, I, there's no way you even find clips on that. But I think GM3 is the best opponent he's faced so far. Um, I, you know, Alessio DiCirico took him to a decision. It was not a blowout in that fight. He did absolutely start to Trevor Smith, and, like, if you haven't watched that knockout in a while, go back and watch it. Trevor Smith falls like a video game character. Um, it is wild uh, how he knocks him out. I know Muradov has got the crazy power in his hands. I know that I shouldn't pick GM3, but I do believe that, like, GM3's got some good submission skills. GM3 did get knocked out crazy fast by Kamzat Shemaev, but, like, he also just needs, like, two seconds on the ground to sub a lot of people. And granted, yeah, Muradov's probably got better grappling backgrounds than Bartosz Fabinski or Trevin Giles, but... Man, 24 submissions on your record and 32 wins, it's enough for me to say plus 400-ish is still worth the play. So I'm crazily going to take Gerald Mearshart in this one, uh, and that's what I'm sticking to, um, whether it's a good idea or a very, very terrible (laughs) idea. (laughs) So um, before we get on to the Ultimate Fighter fights, which we're going to break down next, because there are three of those in a row, let me tell you really quickly about our last sponsor, which is Paramount+. Plus. The Summer of Soccer continues on Paramount+. Plus. Stream over 2,000 soccer matches a year from around the world with all the heart-pounding drama from CBS Sports, including the UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Italy Serie A, Argentina's Primera Division, the Brasileiro, NWSL, the Asian Football Confederation, and the CONCACAF qualifiers featuring stars from the U.S. and Mexican men's national teams. Plus much more, the best of the beautiful game with all the beautiful names like Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo, Ramapone, and Pulisic. Be part of the excitement as 
champions are crowned and history is made. The world's game lives here on Paramount Plus. Visit ParamountPlus.com to start your free trial and stream every match live. Also, make sure to head on over to UnderdogFantasy.com. Use promo code SGPN for a free 25 bucks. That's right. Right now, you can get a free 25 bucks to win a million dollars on their Best Ball 2 contest. Download the app, sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com, and use promo code SGPN for your chance today. Um, so I'd like you were going to say one more thing about my, my terrible GM3 pick right before I cut to that ad read. Do you want to throw it in there? <laughs> Wait, say that one more time. I'm sorry. It sounded like you were going to you were gonna chop up my, my GM3 pick one more time. Did you have one more no, thing there? No, <laughs> you know what, dude? I, what I was going to say is I might have jumped the gun too quick on the biggest favorite of all time, like I was – I was saying, because the next fight we're going to talk about, it's, you know, after hearing you talk about GM3 and the vet that he is, I should probably put a little bit more respect on his name, because the next fight we're going to talk about it's worse. is, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's worse. It, you, you, you would spend your $100 better on, on Jiro Mearshart than uh, Michael Gilmore. Yeah, oh, and, and let's, so let's get right into that. So coming off yes. the Ultimate Fighter, a fight that, by the way, neither of these guys knew was happening until about seven days ago, which is pretty freaking crazy, um, all things considered. They did not plan on putting these two on the card, and that's, of course, Andre Petrovsky and Michael Gilmore, who are coming off of the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, granted, uh, Gilmore only came about off of half the Ultimate Fighter coming in as his last, last second injury replacement. Petrovsky, 5-1 and one in his career. He's got five knockouts and two submissions, so 100% finish rate. Uh he he took a TKO loss to end the show, or a submission loss, rather, to end the show by getting submitted by Brian Battle, who is now in the finale. He's making his UFC debut. He was 1-1 one one on Tough. He has one inches of height advantage, and he is four years younger. He's betting off at negative 550, that same 550 you could have gotten Mahmoud Murd off at. He's fighting Michael the Gentleman Gilmore, who showed up on the Ultimate Fighter late. Uh, he's 5-3 and three with three knockouts. He has... Three submission losses on his record. All three of those losses by submission. He has won two straight. He's making his UFC debut. He went 0-1 on the Ultimate Fighter. That loss also being a submission loss. He's got one inch of uh, reach advantage. He's been off at plus 380. Tell us why Petrovsky is an even better bet than Muradov. <laughs> yeah, and, and here's the thing. Maybe we didn't see enough of Michael Gilmore on the show. Because, again, he showed up um, the week of... of subbing in for, I forget the gentleman's name, uh, had a knee injury and chose not to fight. Uh, and again, he's got to fight a tough guy uh, on the show in, in Brian Battle, who surprised a lot of people. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. But it, it just seems, you know, you kind of, I mean, Petrosi kind of showed his style on the show, right? He likes to take you down. He's a great wrestler. He's got a good top game. I mean, he was in a battle with Brian Battle. Uh you know, until kind of gassing out and getting finished. But I just think for Petrovsky, I, I do like his wrestling. I like his grind. I think he learned a lot from the battle fight, especially about his cardio and, and dealing with the grind of a grueling fight like that. Um, maybe we haven't seen enough of Michael Gilmore, but what we did see, uh, this looks like it's going to be all Petrovsky. So, yes, let me put a little bit more respect on Gerald Mearshart's name. If we're talking about $100, would I rather put $100 on Gerald Mearshart or, or Michael Gilmore? Definitely Gerald Mearshart. So, yes, Andre Petrovsky, uh, dead wrong me on that one, is probably the biggest lock of this card against Michael Gilmore. And I do think he finishes him as well. I think he gets him out of there. Yeah, and I, I'm going to – I have that one circled as a prop I want to talk about at the end here. Me, Jeff, and you all taking Petrovsky. 
it's worth noting because I talked about it at the beginning part of the show with Pat Sabatini. He's got that Daniel Gracie jujitsu style, right? Where it's like it looks like Daniel Gracie cherry picked some like mean ass Matt Hughes wrestler types and then gave them really good top submission skills, like arm triangles, guillotines, like really good versions of those. And they're just going out there and killing people because it's Sabatini, Petrosky, and Sean Brady just doing absolute work out there. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I love the style. I love what that gym's doing. And, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if they're giving him a gift in Gilmore or if Dana White feels that he owes Gilmore something in, in the <laughs> fact that he filled in late. But, like, Gilmore is probably the guy who I would least like to see on this finale, right? Like, there were better options than Gilmore here. So I agree with that. Yeah, like, it, it's weird to me, but uh, I'm I'm going to take it. So um, that's it is what it is. Uh, and let, that'll bring us to our next two Ultimate Fighter fights, which are the actual finale fights. First, we'll talk about Ricky Tercios versus Brady Heastand. Uh, Ricky Tercios goes by the nickname Pretty Ricky. He's 10-2 in his career with three knockouts, one submission. He's lost one, lost in one in his last four fights. Of course, he won by submission the last time out. He has actually 0-1 in the UFC's uh, Dana White Contender Series. Granted, it's not the UFC's Dana White Contender Series. It's Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, but he was 0-1 on that. He lost to um, Boston Salmon in, like, the first episode ever. He was 1-0 in Bellator. He's making his UFC debut. Of course, 2-0 on the Ultimate Fighter. He's got one inch of height advantage, and he is betting off at negative 170. He stands, nickname is Bam Bam. He's 5-1. He's got two knockouts, two submissions. He won by submission in his last fight. He's making his UFC debut as well. Also, 2-0 on tough, and he is six years younger than Ricky Tercios. Betting off at negative 135. What do you think of this one? Dude, this is a just an awesome, awesome fight. Tercios... I kind of had him circled going in, um, had a lot of experience, but man, that guy, I mean, he was just in uh, two wars on the show, especially his first fight with uh, uh, Dan Ortega, I believe I'm saying his, his last name correct, but that fight was awesome. I mean, Tercios is just super well-rounded, but Brady Highstand, man, I think he was the youngest guy on the show, and he fought probably two of the most experienced guys on the show, uh, Josh Reddinghouse, uh, and then Vince Murdoch. Vince Murdoch yeah. um, I mean, he's got a grinding style. He can take a punch. Uh, I, I felt like in that, that first fight with Josh Reddinghouse, he was starting to get tired. He was getting hurt, but he just was able to push through. Um, I just think it's a really, really even matchup. Possibly, you know, maybe number two or three best fights of the entire weekend. It is really, really good. It's going to be high action, high volume. All that being said, I'm siding with Ricky Tercios ever so slightly. I think he's very well-rounded. Um, he's a good grappler. He's really – it seems like he's just really hard to get a hold of. So if High Stand does get takedowns, I think Tercios will be able to create scrambles to either uh, attack submissions and then eventually sweep or get back to his feet. But uh, expect a lot of action. I'm going Tercios by decision. Yeah, I – so when we originally broke down this fight, I took Tercios. But I'm actually going to flip-flop here and take High Stand – um, mostly because of what you said about the scrambling. So, like, in every fight, it looked like Ricky was going to get taken down. And uh, I'm not going to say often, but enough that you were like, man, he gets taken down a lot. And then he would hip over or he would, you know, create, like you said, create scrambles in any way that he possibly could. And he would always wind up in better positions. The difference maker here is I think 
he's fighting a better grappler than he did any of those times on the show. Um, I can agree with that, yeah. Yeah, he, it, and, like, for me, the big difference maker was I went back and watched Brady Heathcan just absolutely maul Vince Murdoch. Right, like, he had a tough fight with Josh Ridinghouse. He did not have a tough fight with Vince Murdoch. He just yeah. mauled that dude. And for me, like, man, I, I thought Vince Murdoch versus Ricky Tercios was going to be a fun finale when I saw those semifinals match up. I was like, <laughs> those two are going to be fun to watch. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. This He-Stand dude can just ground anybody. So after rewatching it, I'm going with the youngin', the six-year younger kid here. He's, I think he's only 23 years old. Uh, it would be a crazy story to see him get on there. But, yeah. I like his style. He it, and it's funny because you know if you've been watching the show, like we have, his his mentor comes onto the show to help him, Michael Chiesa. He's Michael kind Chiesa, of yeah. he's kind of a Michael Chiesa fighting fuck. You know what I mean? Like he he feels like a little tiny Michael Chiesa out there. Yeah, dude, he he's a grinder, man. Like I said, I was just really impressed with the way he was able to kind of wade through the fire and push through and get those takedowns. And he has just really slick grappling like Kiesa. He's good at getting to the back and good at holding position. He's long. He's lanky. Yeah, it's a really good comparison. Yeah, I think regardless, it's going to be an absolutely crazy fight. So, yeah, uh, it is. And, and speaking of crazy fights, I mean, like, I don't think the other finale is going to be any less crazy, and that's Brian Battle versus Gilbert Urbina. So, Battle, nicknamed Pooh Bear, 5-1 and one in his pro career. He's got one knockout, three submissions, four straight wins, and he's, of course, making his UFC debut. 2-0 and oh on tough, including that submission win over Andre Petrovsky we talked about before. Four inches of height, three inches of reach. He is betting off at negative 170. Urbina, meanwhile, six and one with one knockout and two submissions. He's never been finished in his career. He won his last fight. Um, although I guess saying he's never been finished is kind of, yeah. uh, I mean, he's, it's <laughs> kind of tongue-in-cheek. He was just badly knocked out by Treshawn Gore, who had to drop out of this fight due to a knee injury in his own right. He's making his UFC debut. He's 1-1 one one on tough, including that knockout loss to Treshawn Gore. Of course, he gets this as a fill-in when Gore was hurt. He is two years younger and will be betting off at 135. I'm imagining this takes place on the feet in, like, a really exciting way. Who do you got here? Yeah, props to Trayshawn Gore. I really liked his story on the show. Um, I liked his fighting style. But you know what? I think we – and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but I think we got a better fight at the end uh, with Gilbert Urbina stepping in and pairing in with Brian Battle. I just – I think – like you said, I think the uh, the fight on the feet, they both go after it. They're both long and lanky and, and willing to step into the fire. Um, they're both scrappy on the ground. I would say Gilbert probably has a little bit of an advantage, but, dude, Brian Battle is one of those guys. He was the last pick, kind of like Kelvin Gastelum from the week before who won the Ultimate Fighter. He's the last pick, and he just showed that that was probably the wrong uh, way to go. I mean, he's big. He has a huge frame for the division. I, I really, really like, honestly, this fight as opposed to if Trayshawn Gore was in there. And, and I look forward to seeing Trayshawn. That's not a knock on him, but I look forward to him uh, making his debut because he deserves it, but I think we've really got fun matchmaking here. Yeah, I, I think you're right. That that like long, lanky reach in like what will probably transpire on the feet is probably more fun than you know. I, I don't mean to knock Battle here because I also love Brian Battle, but like the the safer approach from Trayshawn Gore, followed by just like an absolute piston of a left hand, would probably have been less fun to watch. 
against Brian Battle than Urbina, who is just going to be like, let's get bloody. Let's. Yeah, that those two guys are going to scramble on the feet, on the mat. It's going to be all over the place. Yeah, and it's in a great way, too. So, yeah, I'm all about it. Um, both me and Jeff, though, are taking the favorite Brian Battle. How about you? I'm going with the underdog here. I'm going with Gilbert Urbina. I I, I think he's actually going to submit Brian Battle. I think he's going to find, like, a way to his back or find, like, a dart stroke or something maybe in the second round. Uh, I'm going Gilbert Urbina. I like that pick. Now, I will say this, too. Both guys made huge gains on the show. I'm going to attribute a lot of working with Craig Jones. Um, th- yes. Those two dudes look like, in their first matches, they both look like they could grapple a little bit. In their second matches, they look like they could grapple a lot. Um, Brian Battle being the one I saw make the biggest gains. He went from being like, oh, look, this guy's just kind of a striker who's going to get out grappled. And then he went up against Petrovsky and he subbed him. And that, that's, yeah, like, he did. that's incredible. And yeah, I, I'm just, any chance I get to throw some credit, uh, Craig Jones's way. I might as well do that. Now we got two more fights to break down here. So I'm going to get to, um, them in just a second. I did want to mention real quick that you can download the SGPN app now live in the app store and the Google play store. It gives you easy access to all of our picks, podcasts and news, including this here podcast right here. Don't forget to toss us an app review and download the SGPN app today. So, the one we're going to talk about next, Kevin Lee versus Daniel Rodriguez, which actually I'm being told is taking place just before those finale fights that we just talked about. Once again, guys changing divisions. We got Kevin Lee coming back to 170 pounds for better or worse. He is 18 and six in his career with three knockouts, eight submissions. He's 11 and six in the UFC, one and three in his last four, including get submitted his last time out. Um, which was in March of 2020. He, of course, like I mentioned before, coming up from 155, three inches of reach. On his side, he is six years younger than Daniel Rodriguez, then off at negative 150. D-Rod, on the other hand, 15-2 and two with eight knockouts and one submission. He's never been finished in his own career. He's 5-1 and one in the UFC, including two straight. He picked up a TKO win his last time out. He's kind of taking this fight on short notice. Was 1-0 on the Contender Series, 1-0 in Bellator. Um, he did have a kickboxing and boxing background before then. He's going to have some height advantage here. And it looks like he has the striking stats and two times the active striking stats in his favor on this one. He's betting off at plus 120. Break it down. Who do you like in this one? Hey, we clap it up for both of these guys really yeah. quick for uh, them making this fight happen. Um Again, Danny Rodriguez is a guy looking for an opportunity like this. So for Kevin Lee to take this fight, uh, props to him. A really tough one to call, man. I, I I really like what Danny Rodriguez is doing on the feet. He's got a lot of power. He's got slick striking. We just don't know where Kevin Lee is. Kevin Lee is one of those guys where he's shown flashes where you look at him and you're like, wow, this guy might be a future champion of the division. And then you've seen other times where – it's not been that. We've seen him gasp before. We've seen him stumble before. We've seen him hurt before. We've seen him sub before. So um, I'm going to ride actually with the underdog here. I'm going to ride with Daniel Rodriguez. I think that his striking is going to be enough to keep Kevin Lee off him. I don't think the takedowns are going to come easy for Kevin Lee, and we've seen him hurt before. I think Daniel Rodriguez gets the biggest win of his career and actually finishes Kevin Lee uh, via strikes. Man, that's and I think that could totally happen. I I think the the tough thing, like you said, about picking a Kevin Lee fight is where's Kevin Lee? Like who who knows who he what? Right, what yeah, are he, he I mean, he can come out there and 
smoked Daniel Rodriguez. We're like, oh yeah, that guy uh, is that good. Oh right, we, we were really dumb for ever picking against Kevin exactly. Lee. You know, like the, you mean the guy who who Doctor Savage Edson Barboza, or do you mean the guy who rear naked choked Michael Chiesa cold? Like, do you mean do you mean the guy who TKO'd Jake Matthews? Yeah, like that guy. Or do you mean the guy who looked like an absolute buffoon fighting Rafael dos Anjos? Yeah. You know, like it, it fell into a guillotine against Charles uh, Oliveira. You know, it's, yeah, it's in, in like so up and down in the easiest fashion. Or he had kicked Gregor Gillespie cold. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like knocked him is, dead. These are all the same guy somehow. Um, I don't know how to pick a Kevin Lee fight, but I'm going to pick Kevin Lee. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go opposite of you two in this one. I just, I mean, I, I think we haven't seen enough of Daniel Rodriguez's wrestling defense here. And I think Kevin Lee being smart here is going to go to the well, which I think is don't box with Daniel Rodriguez, which I think ultimately is the smart move. I think he has enough success here that he wins this one. Um, and that brings us to the main event, the one we've been pining to talk about, and that's Edson Barboza versus Giga Chikadze. Uh Barboza 22-9 and nine in his career, 13 knockouts, one submission. He's 16-9 and nine in the UFC, 2-3 and three in his last five, although he has won two straight. Um, he is a former 155-er. As I said, that is the theme of the show, coming down to 145, and since then he's been 2-1. and one. He's a Muay Thai champion. He had a whole bunch of kickboxing fights. He's going to have one inch of reach advantage and the active striking and surprising grappling stats in his favor, although Giga just doesn't really have any. Um, and he is betting off at negative 115. Giga Chikadze is 13-2 and two in his career. He's eight knockouts, one submission, 6-0 and oh in the UFC, including two straight knockouts. Eight straight wins on his record overall. 0-1 on Contender Series. 0-1 in World Series of Fighting. See, World Series of Fighting, better than the UFC. Um, <laughs> he has one inch of height advantage. Uh, he's two years younger, and he has the striking stats in his favor. He's betting off at negative 110, so pretty much even money right now on Barboza and Chikese. Who? It's going to be fun regardless, but who you got in this one? Jesus, man, have you ever gone and looked back at Edson Barbosa's resume? It's, it's, oh it's really good. God. It's really good. Dude, for like, and you got to go back years. I mean, and he's only 35 years old. Um, Yeah, this is, this is probably the hardest fight, I think, to call this weekend. And it's because both guys are just, you know what they're going to do, right? Like, neither, neither guy, I don't think, is going to be looking for takedowns. Um, so, right, it's, it's whoever is going to win on the feet. And for me, the guy that I, I think in my head is going to win on the feet is Edson Barbosa. And that's because I think he's going to be the guy that's more willing to take chances, to mix it up a bit. Um, I think I get the Giga is a very good rhythm striker. But, again, if I look at Giga's record, I just don't think – at least in MMA, again, he has an extensive kickboxing record. But at least in MMA, we just haven't seen him fight the level of Edson Barbosa who – to many people's surprises, mine including, at his age, went down a weight and it has looked extremely good. I think he should have won against Dan Ige. Uh, I think the best guy on Giga's record is probably Cub Swanson. But again, 2020 Cub Swanson is a lot different than the Cub Swanson of old, or 2021 Cub Swanson, I should say. Um, so I'm riding with Barboza. I think it's going to be an extremely technical, uh, high-speed chess match. But I'm favoring Barbosa here. I like his experience a little bit better, and I think he's going to be the guy that steps out of the realm of comfort a little bit more and goes for it because um, we've seen Barbosa in just many firefights. Yeah, and I'm actually going to differ with you on this pick, but I'm going to use a lot of your rationale for why I'm differing is that 
I think you're right. I think Edson Barboza is the one who steps out of his comfort zone, throws more, gets a little bit wild, especially early on. And ultimately, I think that that's going to cost him later in the fight because Giga is not that. Giga keeps himself safe. As long as he plays good defense there, I think he's going to be way fresher in the later rounds, which means he's only going to have to steal one of the first three rounds. I think he's going to coax in the, the championship rounds. And granted, I don't have a lot of basis to go on in that because neither of these guys have been really deep into five-round fights. And, you know, you could say something about Giga and his kickboxing fights and how those sometimes are longer, you know, overall in the amount of time. But I do just think, like, his his technical approach and the fact that he doesn't use a lot of energy, and it's also his natural weight class. I know we've said that Edson Barboza looks better down a weight class, but in that Danny Gay fight, which, by the way, I also thought he won, part of the reason the judges didn't think so is he kind of tired late in the fight, and yeah, I, it, it cost him a little bit, at least on the judges' scorecards. Not on mine. I still think he won, but, like, on the judges' scorecards it did. So I, I think that that could play into a... Uh, into this fight, there's a reason why it's basically a pick'em. Is that this is a coin flip because we there's so many unknowns about Giga Chikadze and there's so many unknowns about um, or no no unknowns rather about Edson Barboza. But like when you bring those two things together, the fact that we don't know enough about one of them makes this a really weird fight to try to call. Ultimately, I would say this is a fight I'm avoiding if I'm gambling uh, because the odds are close and I don't really have a good reason to love Barbo- Barboza or Chikadze. But I'm going to go with Chikadze on this one. So uh, that puts a wrap in our... Oh, by the way, Jeff is also riding with me in Giga Chikadze. Uh, that puts a wrap in our 12 fights. Let me quickly, uh, as I put the intern on them, as we were talking on some of the parlay or the props we liked over the course of the fight. So we did mention that we like Andre Petrovsky by submission, despite the fact that he is a negative 550 favorite on this card. If you also like Andre Petrovsky by submission, you can get him at plus 110, which seems kind of crazy. Yeah, like Gilmore has been submitted all four of his losses, three in his pro career and one on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, He's fighting a guy who submits people like it's his job. And uh, for some reason, that's uh, that's the odds. So get plus money on that one. Don't waste any time. Uh, Mana Martinez, who we talked about being an absolute knockout ace, is betting off if you want his uh, knockout prop. Negative 110. So despite the fact that he is a negative 290 favorite, you can get him at even money if you go after that one. And then there was one. Oh, uh, we liked the... Under in the Abdul Razak Hassan fight, if you say this fight will be under two and a half rounds, it's betting off at negative 120. So damn near even money there on Abdul Razak Hassan or Alessio DeCirico on the two and a half round under. Mono Martinez by KO and Andre Petrovsky by submission. So we're going to put a pin in this one at this time. Um, as always, I would like to remind you guys that you can... Follow me on Twitter at Gumby Vreeland. You can follow Jeff, who is usually the head host of this, at Jeff Fox Writer. And, of course, you can follow our temporary co-host, uh, Kurt Chase Patrick, on Twitter at KCPKO, or his podcast, the Fix Fight Podcast, at Fix Fights Pod. We also want to remind you guys to check out all the writing over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, where you can find... All kinds of good pieces in all sports imaginable. If you want a little bit more specific MMA content, you can check out MMA-Manifesto.com, where Jeff is the editor, and you occasionally get to see little bits and pieces from me as well. And, of course, make sure to subscribe to the MMA Gambling-specific feed, because we are no longer going to have all of our shows on the general SGPN feed. So if you're listening to this in that feed right now, 
get on over and subscribe to our actual feed where you can like, review, leave us some nice stars down there. We certainly do appreciate it so that uh, you're getting every single one of our possible episodes. Um, and once again, thank you to my co-host, Kurt Chase Patrick. He will be back Sunday to review this card, to talk about how me, him, and Jeff all did, which is, of course, give you nothing but winners. So until Sunday, I'm Daniel Gubby Vreeland. He is Kurt Chase Patrick, and we'll catch you then.